0: really pinning down that gross profit margin, making sure that you're making that 40% or whatever your target gross profit is, and then taking your time to perfect that before scaling your revenue is gonna generate you far more net income at the end of the day. So making sure that you have your priorities set in place to move the levers in the right order to get the most out of the business.
1: Thanks for joining. My name is Brent Gargano. This is the Money Alchemist podcast. I am joined today by my co host, Ben Jones. Good to be here. And Anthony Lewis from Kirsch CPA.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: We are working on a bit of a series where we want to do a deeper dive into the world of a full service business advisory and CPA firm. Uh, We've got Anthony here as our guest, and our intention over the next a handful of episodes here is to do a deeper dive into areas like business costs, business revenues, uh, business transition, tax, anything that really could touch Anthony's world. So we're excited to have you and we look forward to sharing some of these insights. Yeah, Anthony, um, now your role with Kirsch CPA Group is a Senior Manager at Kirsch. Flesh that out a little bit. What is it you do for them?
0: Yeah, so at our firm, we have the typical account uh, account and structure where we have partners and managers and seniors. And most of the time, when you get to the senior manager level, you're really being the client um, s- service. A person where you're managing client relationships, you're helping businesses grow, you're being the consultant and meeting with them on a regular basis, helping them with their strategies and really working very closely with the clients to help them, not just with the tax and audit and financial requirements, but more strategically looking at their business, tracking their growth and seeing ways where we can get a collection of professionals together to really help them move in the direction that their goals want them to go.
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, we look forward to having this uh, series of discussions with you. So we've got a lot on the agenda. Uh, topics from you know, how, how to source labor, how to properly reward your key employees, uh, compensation and benefits packages, um, how to grow your business. Uh, you also wanted to talk about recent uptick in, in inflation, cost increases and how to handle those uh, long term planning um succession planning in particular uh, and also financing you know obtaining you know affordable financing to help grow your business so lots of exciting things this is going to be at least a five series uh five episode series i think so anthony uh, real glad you're here um without further ado we want to dig into the next subject so we've talked we, we've talked so far about labor uh, cost increases. Uh, I think in the re- last last conversation we talked about revenues, um, and and maybe we can drill down a little bit further into that because I am curious what your opinion is uh, on the subject of revenue growth and. You know, one thing that we encounter, uh, Brent and I, because we work with a lot of business clients, is occasionally you run into the business owner that's just struggling to grow the business for a variety of reasons. Um, and I'm wondering, when you sit down with a business owner and you're, you're reviewing their um, uh, their cash flows, what are some signs that a business is healthy and what are some signs that business is unhealthy?
0: Industries and things vary by the business that you're in, but typically speaking, one of the most underutilized reports on any financial statement is really the cash flows. I spend a great deal of time with my clients on the cash flows because I really wanna see strong operating cash flows on their cash flow statement. This is generally where you have your net income and you show ad backs for non-cash items. And then at the end of it, the operating section of your cash flow statement is basically showing you how much money are you driving from your business. Now there's other sections about financing and investing activities that Sometimes you might invest in capital things, and then you also might get financing from bank loans, equity infusions, and things like that. But I really like the clients to focus on two main financial statements, and that's the cash flows, and more focused on the operations side, and then the profit and loss statements. And typically, when I do look at those profit and loss statements, I like to see more than just one or two years. I really like to do analysis maybe over a five-year period, just to kind of see the trends of the business and how it's going with my business owners, and see if that five-year trend is in line with what their goals were, and try to help them see the bigger picture.
1: And, and ho- hopefully, most of those years are profit years, right?
0: <laughs> That's the expectation. But as everybody knows, uh, COVID had a huge impact on businesses. Mm, yeah. uh, the low rates of interest and having the market capital infusions that we did over the last couple of years kind of did bail a lot of people out. But some of the things that we're seeing now coming out of that with the hike of the interest rates and other things too, which could be maybe a segue into another topic, is that now that they don't have affordable options for that financing, the business landscape has changed. And the Gross profit margins and the net income is kind of shrinking due to the recapitalization and you know maybe getting new loans have gotten a lot more expensive. and now that we don't have PPP money and other monies by the government out there, we have to get back to fundamentally checking on our business, making sure we have enough revenue to support our business and we're making enough gross profit to substantiate our existence and growth plans that we had in place, which were kind of derailed by the last couple of years of COVID Mm -hmm. when people were shut down and there were supply chain issues and all these things we had to navigate. And now coming out of it, we need to refocus and really get a good strong plan together and make sure that we're focusing on the key uh, financial components of our business, like what are our revenues, what are our gross profits, and what's my net income and my overhead costs so that I truly have a good understanding of where I'm going.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and we touched on costs in our uh, one of our recent episodes. So let's talk a little bit more about growth and revenue growth. Um, you know, one, one thing that I personally struggle with in my business is finding the capacity for growth. You know, and that ties into labor. And uh, but, but a lot of it's me. Uh, a lot of it's just me being reluctant to let go and delegate and, and, and trust mission-critical tasks uh, to others in the organization. So is that a common theme that you see? I imagine that would be a big mistake that a lot of business owners make um, when it comes to growing their business is just trusting that delegation process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, uh, if there's any business owners out there who say they don't struggle with this... Uh, You can make a lot of money on a master class teaching everybody else how to follow that same process because this is most business owners' baby. They started this potentially from the ground up. They had to wear all the hats. They had to be the expert at everything. And it's very hard for them to give a major task to somebody else because they're just like, well, they're not going to do it the way I would. And a lot of the time that's true, and sometimes that's actually a positive because different ways of thinking sometimes leads to innovations that you yourself have not come up with because you simply don't think that way. Um, Now, how do you get around that? That that is a very difficult topic, but – I think that more business owners nowadays are starting to come to the realization that they can't be the expert in everything anymore. They can't be the marketing director. They can't be the HR director. They can't be the operations manager. They can't also then be the CEO and they can't be out there going and getting sales. Mm -hmm. They have to parse out parts of their business, find strategic people to put in those places and then really leverage their time to push down the mission critical to those people to then go out to their companies to execute that plan and be willing to delegate that and train them properly with their experience. And I think that once the people who have really succeeded at this got a process in place, they can scale infinitely better because now they can just take that person and then hand that off to them and then go focus on whatever they need to to grow their business, like selling or getting more people in the right positions to take even more off their plate so they can get back to helping them the operations and really just focusing on growing the top line and focus on what got them there in the first place.
1: What, what are some activities, uh, a business owner can focus in on? So you mentioned a lot of different ways that uh, processes can be delegated, you know, sales operations. Um, yeah, you, know, you name it. Um, HR even, um, where is a business owner's time best utilized to grow revenue?
0: Hmm.
1: If growth is the objective,
0: typically I very rarely find a better salesperson than the business owner. Mm-hmm. I find that it's very difficult um, for business owners to find people who are willing to sell and really push their business out to prospects better than them because other people don't have the same investment in the company and they don't have all the intrinsic knowledge that the business owner does they are typically best served getting with their key constituents their key contacts in the marketplace and getting those touch points to the people that build their networks so key vendors key customers um, groups where other ceos are involved and learning like a think tank There's also uh, industry specialty groups like associations that sometimes they can go to and mastermind with other people and get topical updates from those industry groups that are pretty valuable sometimes. There's a lot of different opportunities to keep high level so they don't get trapped in the cycle of like, I have to be in the shop managing the crew to run the jobs and be the most productive member producing these widgets. And they might be, but their time value of money needs to be a strategic plan in their minds on where they can best spend their time to generate the most profit in their companies and where are the drivers of that
1: and that and that's
0: sales. Typically it's sales if you already have a process in place that is scalable. Now, sometimes in a different life cycle of the business, the business owner needs to be in that production shop teaching the manager who's going to future take over his position of managing the shop to make sure that he understands the most efficient way to run that, to keep people accountable, to make sure that the gross profit margin is growing. If you grow your revenue from $5 million to $100 million, but you're only making 1%, that's not going to be the best use of your time because you grew the top line, but your net income hasn't grown that much. Mm -hmm. But if you can get the gross profit margin to go from 10% to 40%, by the time you're sharing with the managers in the field and getting them ready. And now I can scale that to go from 10 million to $50 million with that same gross profit margin. Then I'm gonna shift my focus as a business owner from getting the process and the production cycle to make sure I'm getting the gross profit margin to now growing my top line revenues because now I have a process in place that I can now scale and now I'm dropping more to the bottom line when I grow the sales.
1: And, and I imagine scaling that process requires that business owner to let go of owning every single thing that happens inside of their company. And furthermore, it also requires them to open up the wallet, because outsourcing those processes is going to require additional people. Uh, that's salaries and benefits that you need to pay. And then also additional technologies, investment. We were talking on the way uh, to lunch about how Tesla got to the point that it is today. Um, and when they originally started manufacturing, uh, what's their first model? I, I forget the Model Y or Model S. The Model S. So it's the Model S. And um, you know, they were losing money on every car that they manufactured now, I don't think a business owner should be losing money. Uh, that was kind. Of, that's kind of a special case, but it's just an extreme example of having to invest money to build scale down the road, and that's something that I have found to be true. And but it wasn't an overnight epiphany for me. It was a. <laughs> I needed someone like you. I needed to do a podcast with an Anthony Lewis and Kirsch like five years ago. <laughs> but anyway, I so. Name some things uh, business owners can invest in, and what should they expect? So, like, what is a reasonable amount to invest before in, in future growth? Before you're just being irresponsible. Like, I think Tesla losing money on every vehicle maybe back in the you know zero interest rate policy years that wasn't a bad idea, but. It just doesn't seem like a great idea to me. So what, in your professional opinion, is is the, the proper balance there?
0: Oh, this is tricky. Um, well, the first thing to do is have some sort of a plan in place. How mm-hmm. much money can you stand to invest? Mm-hmm. Always start with where you're at right now, and you can actually put into something. And then develop a plan that is long term, because Sometimes an initial investment takes time to be realized, but you will eventually get to the gross profit section of this. Um, a key ratio and like things like that, for all circumstances, it doesn't exist, but knowing what you can afford and then say, okay, if I'm going to invest, I can currently do $1 million of revenue right now, but if I buy a machine uh, for, let's just say, another million dollars and I finance that, I have to cash flow that million dollar investment with interest over time and then look at my capacity of growing from a million dollars of revenue to maybe I can do three million of revenue right now and then actually projecting out five years when I pay that machine off to make sure that that investment is going to be able to pay for itself and generate more profit as I go along this. And I've done projections like this for clients. So, a cost benefit analysis that would refer this to on a cash flow method to say, okay, if I invest a million dollars at this interest rate and I can generate two million dollars more of revenue at this gross profit margin, and I plot this out for five years until I pay this machine off, do I come out with more net? cash at the end of this than when I started? And if not, I go back to the drawing board and I say, okay, what if I buy a half million dollar machine that can only generate $1 million of revenue instead? Is that more sustainable and can that get me there? And if I can't, then I go back and try to find other options. Mm
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, the the key there in that projection um, is assumed growth. So in order to justify purchasing that extra machine, you have to know that that revenue is going to be there. You know, otherwise you're buying a machine and now you're going to get stuck with this debt load. And now now you're just you're like an airplane, just nosediving into the into the ground. Um, So let's shift gears real quick and then talk about, um, you know, sales growth. Um, I know that's not necessarily your your sole area of expertise here. But I imagine you've seen enough um, situations to know what works and what doesn't work. And uh, But maybe I think we should talk about, like, what are some trends that you're seeing in the market today to help business owners um, sell more? You know, for, for example, not everybody's... <laughs> Advertising in newspapers—that's kind of a dead model. You know, yellow pages are inefficient. So, what are some business? What do you see some business owners doing today to effectively, effectively grow their their sales?
0: Maybe like a three prong approach um, sometimes works, where you don't just do one media of advertising or finding new customers. Typically, it's a blend of multiple types um, based on. Some old school methods of referral sources. You have customers who are advocates for your business. They'll go out and tell people. Um, More trade shows, industry groups that you can go to and like have booths and maybe do some speaking engagements. Those are all good things for certain industries. But as we're heading, down the path of new technology and digital marketing and creating funnels where customers can go out and find you. We're finding a lot of people are starting to invest more in websites and creating like content for their potential customers, depending on the industry groups that they're in, like some sort of uh, media following such as like podcasts or maybe they'll do um, some Facebook ads. Maybe they'll do Google search ads which is pretty common and they really are trying to find ways to get their name out there so that people can find them rather than them going and beat in the pavement to go try to find their customers like they did back then and i'm not saying abandon all the old ways because a lot of those are the ways that you got here and you have a lot of good contacts and you have good industry groups and you should still farm those but make sure that you're making a plan that is moving along with the times and you're up to date with technology and that you understand what other people are competitively doing that are in your space that has worked for them that you are keeping up with because a lot of the times, you know, people have gotten so used to their businesses operating a certain way that they don't want to think outside the box. They're like, well, that'll never work. And I don't want to spend the money there when in reality they might be, you know, sort of shortcutting themselves for this big new market that can really help
1: them expand their business. Yeah. Well, know your business, know your market. I can actually elaborate on that. Um, there, we run a uh, a financial advice to consumer business model through National Wealth Management Group. It's a little bit more complex than this, but in general, we um, hold ourselves out as financial planners, and we provide financial planning and investment related services to. Uh, clients, and, and most of them, you know, retail clients. These are not institutional uh, investors. So, you know, for, for the longest time, you know, we would market the traditional ways through mailers, through word of mouth. Actually, that was usually all it was, was just, you know, word of mouth and referral. But that moves at the process of, uh, or, or the pace of one-to-one person contact. It's not very efficient. It's not very scalable. Um, so in our research, we found a great marketing program uh, through a not not so so small a podcaster, you know, a guy named Dave Ramsey. Most people <laughs> have probably heard of him, you know. But and a lot of advisors hear Dave Ramsey and they just bite their tongues, you know. They can't stand the guy, you know, because he's so strong. He has, his opinions are so strong on everything, and a lot of it uh, is antithetical to what financial advisors consider, you know. Uh, sacrosanct, you know, um, like whole whole life insurance. And, you know, I don't personally have a strong opinion on uh, whole life insurance, but there's some advisors that do. So, you know, he kind of has this uh, uh, reputation in the financial advice space is, ah, don't listen to that guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> listen to the real experts. Funny enough, I actually think his methodology is very effective. Uh, and I actually agree uh, with, with nearly all of it. but. Um, we didn't. We didn't want to partner ourselves with that because uh, a, it was expensive, um, and b, um, you know, it just there was that that stigma associated with it that you didn't want to dive into.
0: It almost polarizes your customer base right away because either for or against the platform you're using.
1: Somewhat, um, I actually don't find that to have happened because we oh, have good. some clients that don't really care for Dave Ramsey, but you know they, they know that we market through that program and and um, it it doesn't bother them. So you know, I'm sure there's some customers that that cho- to don't choose us because of that, but that's okay. They probably weren't going to choose us anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway, my point is, I'm going to get back on point is that you know, we decided to take a risk and market in a way that, uh, we found, you know, we were initially found to be suspect, you know, like, ah, oh, that's kind of dubious. But that was just our opinion. And what we found is that it actually has accelerated our growth more than any other marketing program that we've ever used. Um, so, you know, I think that what you're saying is that just be willing to try additional options. What we're doing right now is exactly that. This is, this is a new, Money Alchemist is, is pretty new. We just launched that this year.
0: Yeah, and um, what I will say in addition to that is when mm-hmm. you try these new resources or you're using existing ones, mm-hmm. having some sort of a metric in place and way to measure the output? So like, for instance, if I'm using the Google AdWord, I can go back to Google and I can see what I was getting click-wise because Google tracks all the clicks previous to us spending the money advertising and then after the money that I spent advertising and see consistently month over month how many more clicks I'm getting. Yeah, I extraordinarily push them tracking the metrics and then holding themselves to a way to determine, okay, if I spent $100,000 on Google, how many more clicks am I getting? How much more exposure am I getting? Out of those exposures, how many times am I closing those deals? And then I take that methodology to all my other marketing efforts and I say, okay, what are my customer ratios to the number of the advertising dollars that I've spent per each of these different platforms and which one's getting me the best results. Because if I can track it and measure it, then I can then set goals and then I can follow up on them and see where I should put more of my money advertising wise on my specific business and which medium gets me the best results.
1: How often are you measuring these statistics and, and when can you consider something a success or a failure
0: it's tricky Um, some industries are a slow burn Um, sometimes marketing strategies like especially old school ones where i'm part of an industry group i'm new to the industry group they don't really know me i go every month for two years i do a couple speaking engagements i might not get a client for six months to a year Mm -hmm. but as they get to know me and as i consistently am applying that marketing strategy suddenly two three four years in, people are just flooding to me every time they have a question or every time they have something that their current provider can't supply them. They immediately think of me because they see me all the time. And then other ones are almost instantaneous where you can have a Google search. um, You put $100,000 in there and all of a sudden your clicks go from maybe you're getting 200 a a week to 1,000 a day. And you can track that. And then you can say out of that 1,000 a day, I usually close 3%. Mm-hmm. and you can instantly see how effective that is, and you keep putting money back into it if that's working for you. It really just depends on the marketing strategy you have, and having a game plan in mind, and understanding what the timing is going to be.
1: And what you're referring to is search engine optimization, otherwise known as SEO. Um, are there certain businesses that, that can use that more effectively than others?
0: I definitely see that some industries lend themselves to that much better than others. Sometimes it's a little bit harder in like a professional service thing because it's very relationship based. You don't wanna put yourself out there as a commodity. So I'd say that more commodity based businesses where you just wanna get your name out there, you wanna be a competitor in a market space that you know, you're competing in, is gonna probably lend itself better than something that you really just wanna have a good relationship with. You wanna know who you're dealing with and how they're gonna help you is very hard to tell on even a marketing strategy with a, you know, Google ad search. Mm -hmm. Um, And in those cases, maybe more content generation, more speaking engagements, more actual knowledge of what the business is doing for its customers is going to get you more drive on something like that than an optimization through Google.
1: Is there an amount uh, or a percentage of revenue that a a business should be spending on marketing activities? Or is that just whatever you can afford, whatever sounds good?
0: It really varies. Um, There's no golden bullet out there, unfortunately, for this because different industries react differently to advertising dollars. Um, Some companies don't even need to advertise because their brands are so well known that people actually come to them where they don't really need to spend a lot on marketing at all. And other companies need to push content out To get a funnel of customers coming to them. And other ones need to have a golden ratio of like, hey, if we're not spending 10% of our revenue, we are not going to continue to grow and sustain our market standpoint unless we're pushing out there. Like, just think about TV ads. What do you see on TV all the time? You know, there's always car commercials, there's always, you know, product placement commercials for Coke, Pepsi. Their advertising dollars has to be a huge percentage of their total expenses. Otherwise, they don't stay relevant because if they back those down, their market rate instantly drops.
1: Yeah. Well, even the government advertises. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I imagine those businesses that don't advertise and just go on word of mouth, they probably, I, I would think that they would grow more if they did because there's some businesses like McDonald's, for example. My gosh, you see them all over the place and they still pump millions of dollars into commercials and YouTube ads and you name it. Um, I've heard it said to me, now I, I again, being in the, um, uh, the business of um, running a, a financial advice and money management practice, the general rule that's been described to me in our business is you need to be taking 10 to 15% of your revenues. That that should be minimum what you're investing into advertising if you want to truly accelerate and grow into a, a large practice. Now, that's another question, like do we actually want to do that? You know, growth for the sake of growth isn't um, necessarily the recipe for a meaningful life. So you got to think about all the other uh, aspects of that that come along with it. But um, that that's just what's been drilled into my mind. What what was your opinion of that?
0: Uh, We talked about this a little bit on one of our other conversations on revenue where we said that, you know, if I just move the top line revenue, let's just say I go to a million to three million, but I net income maybe just 50% more total net income, but I've doubled or tripled, sorry, the amount of sales. Well, I've tripled my headache, but I've only doubled my net profit at the bottom line. And it becomes a drag and you're pulling down, you know, how much you can do, the time with your family, things like that, that you have to make sure you're balancing. So driving top line revenue is not always the best priority. Sometimes really pinning down that gross profit margin, making sure that you're making that 40% or whatever your target gross profit is, and then taking your time to perfect that before scaling your revenue is going to generate you far more net income at the end of the day so making sure that you have your priorities set in place to move the levers in the right order to get the most out of the business without really crushing yourself and your team that is helping you run the operations.
1: Growing the revenue, even if it, it, you are sacrificing part of your life to do that, <laughs> may pay off long term. You know, and this is where it goes into long term planning. So I, I, you know, we will save the meat of that conversation for that episode, but. Uh, you know, it may make sense for someone who values uh, free time and leisure and quality of life to uh, put their nose to the grindstone for a short period. We've all seen that picture of Jeff Bezos with the Amazon banner in the background. Do you know what I'm talking about? The yeah. one from 1995, and he's just like painted Amazon, and he's just working like a dog. <laughs> and, and, you know, was it two decades later, he, he's the, one of the richest people on earth. If not the richest at that at that time, I, I don't know. But um, anyway, so that that is something that you can look forward to. So if your if your goal is to just grow and grow grow revenue, um, but you also want to have a healthy life balance, so just keep that in mind. You know that may be a component of exit planning. Um, but I don't. I want to recap um, what I heard you say over the past thirty minutes or so here, and uh, that is uh, to. Uh, you know, the, the 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 there are some key mistakes that um, uh, business owners make when it comes to revenue growth. W- one of the key things is not measuring it. Yes. So definitely, you need to be measuring cash flow statements and and looking those over on a regular basis to determine the direction of your business. So if you're not looking at cash flow statements, you should be. And what would you say? At least quarterly, annually? How often?
0: Well, I have a lot of business owners who look at their cash account daily. Okay. And it's not a perfect cash flow scenario because you can't see the inflows and outflows when you look at your bank statement mm-hmm. as purely as you should so, be able to.
1: So your answer is often. Right. Um, the, the, next, the next point is uh, business owners need to learn that um, they're not going to control everything if they want to grow. So you, you have to be willing to delegate responsibilities um, to you know coworkers or other professionals so that you can focus on the key area of growth. For most people, that is sales. So for most business owners, I mean that is sales. So they're best at sales, and you should focus on that. Now, I imagine that's not always true, but it's usually true in your experience. Um, And then you also need to be willing to invest in growth. And that's where we talked about, you know, advertising. But that also um, uh, could mean investing in, you know, property plan equipment that are more efficient. So in scaling. So you need to be investing not just for um,
0: advertising. Yeah, not just for
1: advertising, but scalability. In fact, I would think. The scalability investment is more critical in the advertising because you could pile all sorts of money into advertising and get an influx of opportunity that you can't service because you're not scaled. So scaling needs to happen before or any ramp up in advertising. So I hope that nicely summarizes our conversation. <laughs> That's what I heard you say. What am I forgetting? Um, I think
0: that this all comes down to planning and doing cost-benefit analysis on lots of aspects of your business and working with a multitude of minds And especially within your own organization, sometimes your people are an underutilized resource for new information and ideas because you can go and ask your people, hey, how can I make this process better? Hey, what are some things that you've seen working here that we can improve upon? And then asking outside people as well, like your service providers and your professionals, just to make sure that, you know, you are – focused on the right things and continuing to make the right decisions with every dollar that you're putting in. And you're like, Hey, I want to grow the business from 5 million to 10 million. And I'm like, that's fantastic. How many more people would you need for that? Oh, I haven't thought about that. Or how much can you produce right now at your maximum capacity? And you're like, well, nowhere near 10 million. I'm like, well, then we better think about what those costs would be to be able to even service that in addition to how you're going to get that additional revenue growth.
1: Yeah. Anthony, that puts a perfect Bo, on this conversation. And and for those of you listening that are wondering, okay, this all sounds great. Um, where the heck am I going to get the time uh, or the partnership to do this? Well, that's exactly what Kerr CPA is here for. And, and I'd recommend, you know, looking them up and giving them a call because this is what they do day in and day out. Anthony, thank you so much for, for coming and I look forward to our next dis- discussion. So we've got a lot uh, left to talk about. So much time, or, no, I got it backwards. So little time, so much to talk about.
0: <laughs> and that is the life statement of almost every business owner out there.
1: No doubt. Well, thank you. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through National Wealth Management Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial, LLC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. This information is not intended as authoritative guidance or tax or legal advice. You should consult with your attorney or tax advisor for guidance for your specific situation. Anthony Lewis is not affiliated with LPL Financial. Brent Gargano is not affiliated with LPL Financial. The content shared in this podcast by Kirsch CPA Group is based on their own experiences, research, and opinions, and it may not be suitable as professional or expert advice. We highly recommend consulting with qualified experts or professionals when making important decisions relating to the topics we discuss. Your individual circumstances and needs may vary, and what works for one person may not necessarily work for another.